0: This episode of The Flush Podcast is brought to you by Waltons, a Nutrisource pet foods, Aluma Trailers, and by Onyx Hunt. My guest today is Sonny Picars from Hay Creek Kennel in Gilman, Wisconsin. Sonny has more than 20 years of experience training high caliber bird dogs to reach their full potential. We'll discuss the different training stages that dogs go through to help you understand where your dog is at. Plus, we'll talk about your role in the training process and how to read your own dog. I think you'll want to stick around for today's show. The Onyx Hunt app is one of the most valuable hunting tools that I take into the field every day and now that app is available in our vehicles. Yep, Onyx did it. They launched Apple CarPlay. That means when you plug your phone into your vehicle you now have the option to open up the Onyx app right on the dash of your hunting rig. No more holding your phone while driving which is obviously dangerous and you get all of the same layers on your vehicle dash that you get on your phone. You can see the aerial view of your location while driving down the road, just like you'd see if you're using your own maps, apps, Waze, or Google Maps. Except now you can find out if the properties around you are open to the public, the landowner's name that owns the land. And if you're in North Dakota, you can see if that land is posted without even touching your phone. To use this feature, simply make sure your Onyx app is up to date. And if you're not an iPhone user, don't worry. Onyx is currently working on the same platform for Android phones too. Apple CarPlay, the latest incredible feature from Onyx Hunt. Always know where you stand and now where you drive with Onyx Hunt. Welcome to welcome to another episode of the Flush podcast. I'm Travis Frank. I'm your host Brandon Morton is our producer. Our guest today is Sunny Pecars from Hay Creek Kennel in Gilman, Wisconsin, which is in western Wisconsin, not too far from the Twin Cities of Minnesota where I currently sit. But I sit here alone because Sunny is down in Sunny, Florida today on vacation. Sunny, temperature down there right now is what? Right around 80 degrees, I believe. Oh my goodness. Good for you. It froze here last night and you probably still have snow on the ground where you live. There is a little bit. Well, all right. It's going to be gone when you get back. That's my prediction. All right. We're going to jump into it because we have a lot of information to get to today. I really think this is going to be an episode that everybody will take something away from. Um, We've been doing the Flush Facts segment, so I'm going to start with that. Both of you, are you ready for this question? I mean, dogs. I'm always wrong, but I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> dogs are the most popular pet in the United States. How many million households in the U.S. have a dog in it? Take a guess. Sonny, you go first.
1: Oh, man, I don't even know where to guess, but I do know I, there's more there's more dogs than there are children right now. So it's it's going to be big.
0: It's big. Take I'm going guess. Guess, to guess 200 million. Yeah. Sonny?
1: 250 Sunny. million.
0: 250. <laughs> All right. You guys, I, I like how we we you went the prices, Right, rules? Bop, bop, bop. You both went over. <laughs> According to Forbes.com, dogs are the most popular pet in the U.S. 65.1 million U.S. households own a dog, followed right. by followed by cats with 46.5 million households. So if and, I do my math fairly correct, that's about one in six Americans have a dog. Yeah. Millennials, wow. mi- millennials make up the largest percentage of current pet owners with 33%, followed by Gen X at 25%, and baby boomers at 24%. In total, 66% of U.S. households own a pet. In... 2022 2022 Americans spent 136.8 billion dollars on their pets <laughs> which is up 10.68% from 2021 in just one year it's crazy amount of money that we spend on our dogs and the reality is that we all are responsible for them which is why Sunny Peak Cars has a business that is booming and always will be if he chooses to keep doing it. 20 plus years of dog training experience. Sonny, why in the world did you get into training dogs in the first place? Uh, Just for
1: the love of the dog as a little kid. Um, And then from there, I went from this passion to want to, to better communicate to him, to be able to teach him to just to learn more. Um, and it just, it just escalated from there.
0: We had you on the show, was it maybe two years ago? It's been a while now or or a little over a year ago. And, uh, I'm fascinated by you and people like you that just have this unbelievable ability to communicate, understand, and work with dogs. And we'll do our best today to try to help people do the same, um, through your experiences. Um. You use what's your what's your training method or style that you like to hunt with or train with? Well,
1: everything uh, that the foundation of everything we've done up to this point has been inspired by the Smith uh, Silent Command System. Um, from the this hunt, point, going, the Hunt Smith, yes, the Hunt Smith program, mm-hmm. and then of what? course from this point going forward, we're uh, we're striving for you know being able to better work with the people and better. Better help the dog. So.
0: Hmm. Are you finding, you know, with this, obviously there was a big jump in dog ownership during the COVID uh, time period a couple of years ago. We talked about that on our last show as well, but are you seeing an increased demand for people that want to hire your services right now? Yeah, it
1: is, it's currently off the charts. Um, there are hmm. tons of people struggling with their dogs. Why? Um, boy, oh boy, that's a, that's a loaded, a loaded, <laughs> it a loaded really is. it's a loaded question. But, uh, at the end of the day, I think we've, we, uh, as humans, we're trying to convert dogs over to being a human rather than taking the human and convert him over to the dog. And that, that seems to be a huge part of what we're, of what we're striving for and what we're doing today to teach.
0: <clears throat> you're, you're obviously friends with other dog trainers in the industry, are they say, are they saying the same things that you're seeing?
1: Yes, and then of course we all communicate constantly, um, you know, out of frustration to try to better help the people, and it seems like that's the the common denominator is uh, just try to help the people understand the animal.
0: All right, well, let's try to help people understand the animal then. Um, what percent of dogs are you training for hunting purposes, and then what percent do you take in that are Pretty much just family members that they need obedience training.
1: Sure. So we started with, you know, primarily, I would say in two thousand, one hundred percent was some kind of an upland application. Um, from there, we got into a, a fair amount of obedience dogs. And today, um, really, we're striving for just a good, a good citizen program Regardless of the uh, of the breed or the purpose, it's uh, with the good citizen. You know, pretty much everything else will start to fall in place.
0: Do you, as a really passionate upland bird hunter, find joy in the obedience training, or do you wish you were back to a hundred percent bird dog training?
1: Um, I th- you know that's also a loaded question. But uh, today, where I'm at, it, it really the reward is really coming from just helping the people, seeing the light go off, um, you know, whether it be a tear in their eye or their hair standing up on end to just to, to, to connect, to be able to connect with, with the animals. So it's really, for me has turned into, a uh, this, this mission of, of helping the people, you know, staying hooked up with them and, and walking them through a process. And then I, you know, I would have to say with, with all the guiding and, and everything else that we do, um, I'm, I'm hoping to be able to get back, um, and use some of the upland hunting for, for recreation and just more of a release rather than a job.
0: Gotcha. But
1: but it's really about helping the people.
0: Gotcha. Well, let's do this. Um, I'm not entirely sure the best way to, to work through this, but let's go through the different stages of training that you use, um, and that are important for people to understand. And then I think we can help people kind of understand where their dog is in these different phases. Ultimately it will bring in how their role affects where they're at with the dog and how to understand them. Does that sound good or how to read the dog? Does that work?
1: Yeah. Sounds great. Let's make a run at it.
0: All right. So it begins with a puppy, right? You've got this little puppy eight weeks old in your hands. Where does that person begin?
1: So, you know, even even back that up a step farther, and uh, start with the end in mind. That's an that's an Alan Dunbar quote from a long time ago. With with starting with the end in mind, you know, where do you first see yourself? What's your mission? What's your goals? You know, performance animal, um, weekend warrior, bird dog, or or just a pet. Um, so that's really where it starts. You know, and then from there. Um, find that puppy, find that breeder and, uh, and run with it. Um, discipline, structure, boundary, and rules, you know, that that's, that's the real start.
0: Gotcha. Would you title it, um, obedience training when, once you bring that puppy home?
1: You know, it, uh, you know, probably in the past we would call it obedience training, um, but it really isn't a sit, stay, come, heal program for me anymore. It's to understand the mental state of the animal and then back to, you know, helping that human understand those mental, the, the mental state, the, the position the puppy's at, his maturity level, um, being able to read his body language, soft eyes, soft muscle, um, you know, just a real relaxed tail. Is, is, he, is he a dominant puppy? Is he a submissive puppy? Is he somewhere in the middle? And, you know, and then what does that dominance and submission even mean? Um, so it's, it's, I think it's bigger than a sit, stay, come, heal obedience program, but it's also much simpler, you know, than, than the, uh, the, the sit, stay, come, the actual mechanics of it. It's just understanding the puppy being able to relate to the puppy is going to uh, keep an open mind, um, which really, really will intensify the ability for them to learn.
0: But, I, but every puppy's different, right? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like you've put your hands on hundreds, maybe thousands of puppies. so you have all this experience. What about somebody who doesn't have that kind of experience to really understand that puppy? It can be intimidating, right? I mean they don't they don't know what they don't know. They don't have all the years and all the puppies before them to be able to know that what they're looking at, and how to read it? What do you tell somebody that's looking at a puppy for the first time?
1: Um, back that up just a little bit, and and educate yourself before before you get the puppy. Um, listen to anybody and everybody that will that will give you information, and and come up with what what's going to work for you. Um, okay.
0: Yeah. Well, somebody that's listening to you right now. I mean, what what kind of information can you can you give that person?
1: Start with the end in mind. Are you after mm-hmm. a performance animal? You know, weekend warrior, bird dog, or or a pet? Um, and then be reaching out to somebody like me, to uh, to, or or a, a breeder to help match that, to help pair you up with uh, with what that's going to be. The the dog that might suit me for what what we do, as far for sure on a guide string, is probably going to be um, a little too much power um, for the for the weekend warrior. So the dog that might best suit me might absolutely not work for you Um, and that you know that to understand the whys and and the the difference um, you know an example would be i like the the bigger the bolder the more the more aggressive puppy Um, he might have even you know more brawn than brain Um, (laughs) i don't necessarily love the, the most intelligent puppy that i can get my hands on so they're more of a worker um you know weekend warrior Um, right down to the breed, the, you know, a Griffin might be a better application for maybe a weekend warrior than say, you know, a a high powered English pointer or a, you know, uh, a field bred English setter, you know, maybe they're just, there can be quite a bit more dog there.
0: Do all puppies learn at the same pace Are some dogs, do they just take longer?
1: I, I think that, it, you know, what at least today for me, it, it just comes to our ability to, uh, to put the information out for them. So, no, I, I think that they all learn pretty quick. It's just a matter of, you know, are we able to put out the right message? Um, keeping their mind open, regardless of their age or their maturity level, <clears throat> to keep their mind open and then to keep them learning. Um, you're going to spend time with them. So, you know, if you're going to spend time with them, you might just as well – have it well spent and try to teach them things so that they, they they end up with this learning mindset. Um, th- that's a big, big deal. The, the amount of time that we spend with them and, and literally, you know, they're, they're learning, <clears throat> even though if, if uh, we're not paying attention or we're not trying to teach. So that the good comes with the bad there.
0: I know several people right now that have puppies, um, between like eight and ten weeks, and there's just so many questions that they have. Um, you know that puppy is playing, that puppy is napping and playing again, and you know they're wondering, how do I help this dog? I think anybody that gets a bird dog puppy, they want it to reach its full potential, but sometimes they just they they just don't fully know what to do. I, I think, I mean, Sonny, you, you can help explain this, but they're always learning every single day and everything that they're doing together is, is building that foundation at that early stage in life. Right.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, with that being said, um, exposure, exposure to the field, um, right down to exposure to going to town, uh, going to a store. We, we, years ago, we didn't put a lot of, uh, just a lot of emphasis on that. Um, that, that is a big part of our program today. Um, just being exposed to the world that's going to be in front of them with every situation that could possibly pop up. We're doing that at a fairly young age. Um, but with keeping them engaged and wanting to be part of it and wanting to learn. So it's, you know, in the truck, out of the truck, in the kennel, out of the kennel. Um, with so many of our dogs today that are house dogs, I mean, that, that would be an awesome survey because I'm guessing it's, it's got to be on the 90%, you know, from house dogs to kennel dogs, <clears throat> which I don't have a problem with at all. But those those puppies and those young dogs still need to learn um, restriction. You know, the world does not evolve around them. Um, so they, they need to be able to comprehend, you know, being restricted, riding in a crate, possibly being in a kennel. Um, a kennel, in my opinion, is a great place for them to be able to hang out Um, They can process what they've learned. They can process what the experience that, you know, that they had um, was all about. It's a time for them to get away from us and a time for us to get away from them, which I think is extremely important. Um, You know, that's probably in the for sure in the top 10 uh, important uh, issues are just it's it's okay. to be away from us and, and we sure enough need to get away from them. So.
0: <laughs> right. What, <laughs> the kennel itself in the, in the canine's mind, that's, that's their, um, that's their, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Their, um,
1: it should be their sanctuary
0: kind of a yeah. deal. You know, yeah, they should yeah. feel
1: safe. So, so that, you know, a crate or the kennel, that's a spot where they don't have to, if they, if they accept restriction, there is nothing for them to worry about. Um, a dog that's left in the front seat of the truck or maybe within your home, uh, they have to assume some responsibility for that space. So then those young dogs end up with this, you know, kind of a false sense of responsibility because now they have to patrol the whole house. Um, And if they're mentally not prepared for that, of course, we end up with all kinds of issues, digging in the garbage, you know, ripping the couch up, uh, uh, separation anxiety, you know, just, there's all this behavior that uh, will pop up as a byproduct of having just too much, too much freedom, which of course the human sees that as backward. They're, they're trying to give their dog more space, more room. Um, You know, they're looking at it from a human's point of view back to trying to convert the human into a dog is really what our goal is today. You know, to try to think like the dog, think like the puppy so that when he is in that crate or he is in that kennel, there really is nothing to worry about. It is totally okay just to relax and, and wait on what that next move might be.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're a wolf, you know, the canine, you're living in a hole in the ground, you know, and yeah. that's, that's a comfort spot. That's a safe place. And yeah, I mean, the kennel, that's what we create for them. They're looking to us, you're the pack leader. We're the pack leaders here and we need to we need to lead, right? And yeah. I think I think a lot of the mistakes that happen are because we aren't leading correctly and I think a lot of the incorrect leading comes from people don't know. They get a dog. They say, "All right, I got one." And they go about their life as if it was the same before the dog came and pretty soon they have issues. And then they say, all right, I need a trainer. That's when you get a phone call. <laughs> so can you correct all of the mistakes that are made in a puppy after
1: the dog comes to you? Sure, we just, we back up the process and we start over. Um, if the, and if the puppy is open to learn, uh, it's and then of course that's where the trainer comes in, If you, if your application is good they'll adapt and they, they want to learn. So it, it happens real quick, but literally, you know, we have to almost just break everything down and restart. So we basically will take that It very well could be that eight, nine month old puppy when he starting to get himself into some trouble and we just kind of break it back down to a, you know, a six, eight week old puppy, which really does start with having an open mind um, to learn and then start to teach. It might be restriction. It might be that, you know, that crate, it might be just let allow me to handle you allow me to touch you uh, move with me follow me and then reestablish that relationship so that animal can relax and look for some instruction which should be the leader which you know is the going to be the more dominant one um, that dominance has gotten is getting a real bad rap because people see that as being you know dominant or having to intimidate and it really has nothing to do with that it's just all about being a good leader
0: and that's your role and that's where You're focusing right now. Yes, you're still training dogs, Sonny. But your goal, based on our conversations, your goal is really to help people understand their dog. So, I I I'm intimidated by that coming into it. I was. I mean, our mutual friend George Lyle took me under his wing and walked me through the stages. And I called him more times than I can count to just pick his brain there. But not everybody has the ability to call somebody with that much experience. And I think that's where the challenge comes in, in trying to understand my dog and what my dog is thinking. How do you go about helping people now to understand what their dog is thinking?
1: Trying to overcome fear. I, you know, the, the absolute number one thing that we work with, with with the people is that they're afraid to do something wrong. Therefore, they do nothing. So that that's really that's that's really a huge, monstrous piece of where we start. You got to be able to get over your fear. Um, if you don't bring anger to the table, you can make mistakes all day long, and the, the dog will never have any resentment. So it's it's really overcoming fear. Get comfortable in your own skin. Um, we're really using the we're going to meet the people where the people are at today. Um, so you know they very well could be outside. Literally, you know, probably shedding some tears in my parking lot because they're afraid to come in. Um, They're embarrassed because the dog is completely out of control. Um, They feel guilty because they've made all these mistakes. And you just you got to just let all that stuff go. It's it's not at the end of the day, there's none of it that's really that big of a deal. Um, It's really nothing to be all that concerned about. Just reboot, restart, um, keep an open mind and move forward allow the fear to just go away
0: besides having a gun shy dog what what other fears do people have that prevent them from working with their dog
1: oh boy you know starting too early you know not starting early enough um you know somebody told them they really got to instill sit stay come heal um so taking away their independence you know this this whole thing is a great big balancing act um it's, it really is a great big balancing act to, to just kind of from day to day, just just working with this individual, um, with keeping their mind open for instruction. So if you keep it, if you can keep that mind open for instruction, it's you're going to win. You're, you just you can't lose. So, I don't know if that if that answered the question, but
0: yeah, I mean it's it's a tough. It's it, a lot of these uh, topics are very difficult to say specifically um you know you've got a training method the hunt smith silent command training system that you've worked on that's been the basis based on you know delmar smith and there are so many training programs that have evolved out of that the hunt smith um, system and a lot of trainers kind of you know, evolve it to their own experiences and, and things like that. But I I think it's fair to say, Sonny, would you agree that a lot of the dog trainers in the country today have come out of that system?
1: Yeah, there's a, there's a ton of us that have come out of that system and it's a phenomenal system. It's just, it's a beautiful system. Um, But then of course with keeping an open mind and then we're learning new things every day, um, you know, just with what agility has done, and it's it's not the agility as as the human would first see it, but uh, t- to focus them and, and challenge them. Um, what we're it's just every day we learn so much more about what they're capable of. So the, the the whatever program it is, it's it's constantly evolving into something else. As long as we keep an open mind, and we don't bring a lot of anger or a lot of emotion to our our training format, so.
0: It's a hard thing to do when your dog runs away from you and it disappears. Yeah, <laughs> or yes, you keep You keep trying to do a simple task, and the dog just has no interest in what you're trying to explain. How do you keep it together? What What's the secret to help others that are listening right now?
1: Huh. Yeah, that that's also a, a loaded. A loaded question, mm-hmm. but um you know back to the the human, that dog that runs off. Um if you're prepared and you've and you've started with the end in mind, you understand him to some extent. So he's equipped to be caught, which would probably be a GPS collar. Um but then really understanding that he is coming back and we really don't have much to worry about and it's okay that we can't catch him. See they're all these are these are all good things, um, and we will balance them. So it's it's so much better to have one that wants to run off than it is to have one that doesn't want to run anywhere. Um, you can work with something that wants to run off. If they don't want to go due to being intimidated or maybe too much obedience, um, that, that's pretty hard to get going. So it goes back to literally um, meeting the human where they're at, You know, assessing their strong points, their weak points, where their anxieties lie. And then just, uh, you know, being there for them, mentor them uh, through it, that it's it's going to be good. You know, if he, if he ran off, I, I, I promise you, he's going to come back. Um, there's, you know, that's just, that's not a natural behavior for them just to keep on going. They're, they're going to check back in at some point in time and they, they almost never lose track of where we're at.
0: So then I'm, I'm over at my friend's house. Uh, a couple of days ago, and his English pointer is about—I'm not sure how old. Maybe he's eight months, and he takes off running. And this has been a common thing lately. And I kind of laugh because I've gone through that stage with my dog, and I've told him, "I'm like, this is a good thing. This is a good thing." But of course, we don't live in a place that there's you know thousands of acres of of property to roam where the dog will go out and then come back. Like that dog is across many other landowners properties could potentially be in danger, uh, crossing roads, things like that. You know? So when a dog runs off, I mean, you have to go after it and chase after it. Right. I mean, you can't just wait for the dog to come back.
1: Absolutely. So then we go back to that, you know, starting with the end in mind, uh, those puppy walks, that's, you know, that's, it's probably, you know, the top three things we're going to do with a puppy, and that's to walk them at babies so that they, they, they don't have the uh, the maturity level or the the legs to run off, so they get conditioned to follow right from a baby, um, and then throughout their puppyhood into their into their eight, nine-month-old stage, making sure that we do have places. Now, this is all with, uh, you know, the thought process of, of maybe a performance animal, but that we do have places that they can run, and they are going to be safe. You know, there are no roads, or, it you know, it's maybe fenced in. Um, but they they absolutely need that stuff. They have to be able to do it at some point in time. That You know, that goes back to that early puppy development. And then, of course, because most of our dogs are living within our home, probably, you know, with a bunch of neighbors, um, then back to this being able to deal with restriction, confinement, that to then be okay, um, you know, hanging out, on the backyard or the deck, and and you can't run off. You know these are times that you, that's that you can't run.
0: So you 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 have this obedience training early on in life, and um, you like you mentioned, you're you're doing the walks. Um, puppy gets a little bit older. There's this rebellious stage. How long does that rebellious stage typically last? Depends on the on the human. Um, if the human is disciplined, if the human is
1: is structured. Um, and you know, maybe the human has his, his end game in mind, uh, it's going to go pretty fast. Um, if you don't have a good plan, it's, you know, you're going to have, it's going to go it's going to take a lot longer and there's going to be a lot more struggles. So, so for me, when I spend time with the puppy, I put my, uh, my, my, the human to the side. So I, I try to give the puppy what the puppy needs. You know, he doesn't need a whole lot of attention. Um, he doesn't need a ton of treats. He doesn't need a ton of, uh, of interaction. So the interaction that we do spend with the time that I do spend with the puppies, it's to teach, teach them something quick and then get away from them. Um, but you do that a few times. Well, now you have this little puppy that's eager to learn. Um, he loves to be with you because every time he's with you, he learns something new and it's it's, you know, to explore. And we're going to try this and we're going to try that. So their their little minds just get kind of warped into learning. Um, so things do go extremely fast. And then they, you know, they don't do things like runoff because they are looking for instruction and they are reading our body language, you know? So the, the, the more panic we have, the more panic, um, uh, they have, I mean, the, the individual that is chasing the dog through the neighborhood, you know, it, uh, there's, there's lots of stress there.
0: Right. Well, <clears throat> is it fair to say that the first year of that dog's life is the most critical part of the entire process because there's just so much change happening, so much bonding time happening, so much learning that has to happen. Cause once you have that foundation set, then, you know, you might be tweaking things a little bit later on, you know, you go from puppy development to foundational level to intermediate to advanced level training. Um, but I feel like a majority of that comes early in life. At, at what point in a dog's life are we talking all of these stages? So,
1: at, at uh, run it by me one more time. At what point? What was at the what question?
0: Po- well, I guess you know, I'll just uh, I'll just take these different development stages. You've got puppy, then you you're training. You know, the foundation level. Then there's sure. an intermediate level, then the advanced level. And what stages in a dog's life are you working on each one of these?
1: Um, so then that goes back to the human. It's based on the amount of time you can spend with them. Um, are you a professional or you're not a professional? And that's not about how good you are, that's just the amount of time that you can spend. So, you know, for me, um, if we raised the if we if we purchased it and raised it from say, you know, that six, eight week old stage um, and this can be loaded because people think that it really does go fast. Uh, but you know, we might have a lot of that stuff done six, seven months old. A lot of the foundation might be, might be complete. We won't, probably won't use it that first, you know, that first season at that eight, nine, 10 month old pup. Um, but a lot of the stuff is already done, which really is, you know, nothing more than he's open to learn. He'll accept our touch. He'll follow some instruction. Um, so once they're mentally there, the, the, the mechanics, you know, the sit, stay, come or the stop and turn, that just comes extremely simple. Um, but for me, that puppy is worked with, you know, on a, on a daily basis and maybe maybe in every other day basis um, with keeping their mind open for instruction and, and learning. Once they're there, you can almost teach them anything. So, you know, it's, it's based on the amount of time we spend, it's what it really comes down to and how disciplined we are with our teaching.
0: Let's say you've got a 10 week old puppy. How much time are you spending with that puppy each day?
1: As, as much as we can, you know, do what you can, when you can. So, so for us, um, you know, we have, uh, there's a little social hour every single morning and every single afternoon with just those puppies that are able to move, um, move with each other. Um, but throughout the day, there's all kinds of stuff going on with, you know, maybe being in a crate, maybe being in a kennel, some kind of restriction, a lot of hands on. So, you know, it's not a bunch of time. Uh, I would say on a day to day basis with, with, which when you're focused, when i 100% of your focus is on this, this young dog, it's mm-hmm. probably 25, 30 minutes a day is really it. But with that being said, um, You know, We we try to maintain – when I'm with the dogs, I try to be the dog. I try to think like the dog, not like the human. So when we're out there for eight, ten hours a day, um, it really is trying to interact with the whole group um, like a dog because every one of them are watching and every one of them are learning. So we might just as well be teaching something productive. Well, what does that look like? We don't need to get overly excited. We don't need to get overly upset. Uh, Everything stays pretty flat, pretty neutral. There's not a ton of reward but then there's not a ton of, uh, you know, negative, um, uh, impact on them neither. It's just real flat, real neutral, real middle of the road.
0: Hmm. Okay. So how do you separate puppy development stage from foundation level training uh,
1: based on the maturity level and the, the ability of the young, of that pup. So if, if his mind is in a spot where he likes to learn, um, and he's, he's, a you know, there's just a lot of energy to want to learn. Well, we just, we just keep on teaching. And then, uh, but that does not necessarily mean it's going to be used, you know, in a, in a, in a real world, a real world setting. Um, and I don't, I don't know that I'm getting, I'm, that I'm really driving that answer home. Um, but it's, it's really based on the individual.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and I think that's where some, you know, experience on your part plays into making that determination. Whereas, somebody like myself who, you know, I don't have a bunch of other dogs that I'm looking at to be able to say, this one's ready. This one isn't. This one needs, you know, needs more time. It, it can be difficult for a a dog owner, I think, or a handler to assess where their dog might be at in that process. I mean, things from like when to put that dog on the leash and when to not put it on a leash are you know, the chain gang, things like that. I mean, those are all question marks for a lot of people to to know when did they start doing that? I mean, is there a, a guideline that you follow?
1: Yeah, um, back to, you know, paying attention to that puppy. And if you're, you know, if we're asking, you know, if we're, we're going to ask ourselves, you know, questions like, I wonder if he's ready for an electric collar. Well, I, I, the answer would be probably not um, because so much of this stuff is what we feel. And you don't really need to be a pro- to to feel the stuff yes it, it helps because you're working with so many dogs but uh, at the at the end of the day if you don't get upset you can't do anything wrong so for the just the weekend warrior bird dog guy there's nothing wrong with 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 trying stuff um they'll that that young dog well, they'll tell you if they're ready um and it'll be within their, you know, their body language, their their energy level to want to learn and want to do things. So there's really nothing wrong with stepping outside the box and going ahead and trying something. And if it doesn't work, you just
0: back up a step.
1: Hmm. As long so, as you back
0: up a step, you'll always have success. If you're an outdoor lover on the go, then odds are good that you have toys and equipment that you want to haul. Aluma Trailers, well, they've got you covered. Their trailers are built by a hardworking team in Bancroft, Iowa. They have models for nearly any and every hauling need, from ATV and UTV trailers to utility, snowmobile, motorcycle, car trailers, and even fully enclosed trailers like mine. Trust me when I say that, Aluma Trailers tow like a dream. Their trailers are constructed out of lightweight, strong, corrosion-resistant aluminum, and they are 100% maintenance-free. Plus, they come with an industry-best five-year warranty. Visit alumaklm.com to find a trailer that fits your needs. I love my dog, and like you, I always want to make sure that she has what she needs to stay healthy year-round and perform at her best in the field. That's why I feed Daisy Nutrisource high-performance dog food. Nutrisource dog food comes with their good-for-life system that includes four key ingredients that work together to support gut health, heart health, and the overall well-being of our dogs. I have complete confidence that my dog has all of the nutrition to excel in the field and make it through a rigorous hunting season. I've seen it firsthand, and she loves her food. Take it from me and my dog, Daisy. Nutrisource high-performance dog food can help your dog reach their full potential. Find the food that's right for your dog at NutrisourcePetFoods.com. Hunting season might be over, but that doesn't mean it's time to mope around the house and hang your head. That's because it's meat season. Now's a great time to make the most of all that tasty meat you harvested. Maybe it's time to try a new recipe, sprinkle on a new seasoning, or make your own jerky and sausage. Trust me, it's not that hard to do, and it can be fun for the whole family. It doesn't matter what you harvested or what you want to prepare with it. Walton's has you covered. Walton's has everything but the meat. That's their motto. Waltons.com has everything, and I mean everything you need to process and prepare your meat. Plus, they have an online community called MeatGistics that's full of recipes and meat processing information. The sky's the limit, my friends. You don't have to be a pro to cook like one. Head to Waltons.com today and enjoy meat processing season. Thankfully, it's a season that never ends. Developing a foundation is what I've focused on and I go back to even now that I have a three year old puppy laying here or three year old dog laying here, everything goes back to that foundation. And then you build off of that. Stand still. Come back to me. Go with me. You know, uh when we're working together out in the field. But in your mind, can you or can you articulate the steps that are important in the foundation level training?
1: Sure. Um and it's uh Yes. It's, it's, can you be still and can you go with me? Um, and you've already, you know, just, just something as simple as that dog that, that you just commented on laying there right now, that dog's ready to go do something. Um, and that, that probably doesn't make a ton of sense to the, the majority of the people, but it's that the, the puppy's not stressed. It's not overly excited. Um, there's a sense of peace. It's, it literally will stand still or move with you. Um, the moving with you is huge. If if you can get them to move with you, you know, on a, on a six foot piece of rope, there's a very good chance they're going to move with you when they're, when they're loose and they're free and they're moving through the field. So it just goes back to some, some very basic, 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 uh, like a daily routine of, you know, will you be still? Will you move with me? Um, will you stay out of my way or are you invading my space? There's, there's this, this constant, way of life, I guess is really what it, what it ends up being. It's just how you, how you live with the animal.
0: What are some of the techniques that you're using to work with that dog in the foundation level? Um, is it the, the chain gang, you know, applying that restriction so that they know that they need to stand there? Um, does that come into play at that point?
1: Um, yeah, the, the
0: the chain gang was was
1: a huge part of uh, of what we've what I've done in the past. Um, since then, yes, we still do use it, but the people. So back to trying to meet the people where the people are at. The people don't understand it or accept it as good as what they once did. So we're going with a you know probably coming off of a kennel crate um, if they're not ready for the chain gang, and then just literally on a lead um, and and just literally starting to work on. Standing still and going with. As soon as we get to that stage with just going with, then we challenge that point of contact, which is that lead that is telling them that they need to go with. And then we're starting to challenge them with some of the agility equipment, um, which is nothing more than just challenging the point of contact. Will you follow me to jump up You know, on this table? Will you follow me to jump off of this table? um will you follow me to go across an A frame or a teeter totter um not by forcing them but literally can i reference that point of contact and and will, are you open minded are you willing to follow um will we you know it's something that we can do together and then of course you you that's where you will have all the fear um all the resistance pop up um and then it you know then the rules of the game are basically if if they're going to try we'll try Um, if they fail that's totally okay but we want them to to keep trying to not quit if they're if they're starting to quit they're probably not ready for what we're doing so then what you end up with with the the byproduct is now you've got this this young dog that's literally on steroids to learn things because it's done thing like you know cross a teeter-totter walk across a two by six jump on and off of a table based on this little this this touch this point of contact which now that's our that's the actual communication from human to dog they don't understand English so now our our touch literally is what they're starting to key off of and then that just takes their their excitement or their confidence and it just puts it off the charts because you know after they can get across a two by six or a teeter-totter they really do think that they can whip the world like it's it helps them overcome fear and build confidence so it's it's it, it really is a huge confidence builder and then from there now building points of contact, you know, with an electric collar um, or a check cord, um, this stuff gets super, super, super simple for them to process and understand. So
0: really, so so you're finding that this sort of an obstacle course um, is teaching these young dogs a lot quicker than old methods. Um, yes, that
1: has been my experience. But you know, where we're at, where I'm at with it today, I'm I'm not even so sure that it's not literally helping the people more than it's helping the dog. Um, when we started, I thought it was just helping the dog. When we stumbled onto it, myself and Jordan Wells, we we stumbled onto just onto what it was doing with you know the Wells method of fetch or the wool breaking process that I do at you know, at my facility. But uh, today, <clears throat> to try to get the human to 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 focus, to really work with this animal, work with this dog, touch them literally as soft as you can touch them, and have them commit to jumping on a table or wanting to cross a teeter totter. It's, it, uh, where I'm at with it today, it's building so much confidence in the, in the human that the dog just naturally wants to follow. So it's making the whole process for dog and human much, much easier. Um, because the, the dog actually believes in the human. So who knows where it'll go? You know, um, we we learn.
0: Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. We're learning, you know what we just, we learn so much. They have so much to offer. Um I don't even I don't know that we've even scratched the surface of what a dog is capable of. Um, I, I just think that they're 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 capable of so much. Hmm.
0: So what percent of dogs come to that teeter- totter for the first time and put the brakes on? <laughs> you know
1: probably <laughs> um, it's not as many as you would think. you know, I would say maybe maybe twenty percent will set the brake. Hmm. Um, but it's a building process. So it's, it's, it's almost like a doggy gauntlet or a tough mutter for dogs. Um, as they get through the process, the, the challenge or the piece of equipment just continues to get harder. So of course the first one might be just getting in, getting on and off a table, literally with just a light touch, you know, jump up, um, allow me to get my hands on you. So this whole thing really, really does go back to physical touch whether it be your hands or a piece of rope it's a physical touch and then of course they can get on and off this table their their mind is open for instruction because now they literally understand what we're saying based on what we based on how we touch them so then we go from a table to a two by six and from a two by six to an a frame and and from an a frame to a teeter-totter this whole thing keeps building and it just keeps getting harder the whole way through and we don't ever throw a party for them, so there's never a bunch of praise, but then there's never a bunch of, of negative feedback neither. It, it it goes back to, all you got to do is try. So if you try, I'll try. And if, if, if we fail, it's totally okay. Let's just try again. Mm-hmm. And that's where they can start to talk back to us that, yes, I am, man, I'm open. I would love to try this again. Um, so if we do get to the teeter-totter and they do set the brakes, you know, I would say probably Probably seventy-five percent of the time, if they do set the brakes, we're probably just going to back up to the last, the last challenge that they had, Mm -hmm. and then of course their energy is like, yes, I know I can do this, so I'm going to try. So it really does put their mind in a spot of of wanting to learn. They start to enjoy the learning, and it just takes their confidence, and it just it just spikes it. It's just like they're on steroids.
0: Um, When do you? Oh, go ahead. It's
1: really worked good with the uh, with the aggressive dogs, the, the fear based you know the fear biting or uh, real ang- real anxious dogs. Hmm. Um, yeah, so that's building up their confidence through accomplishment has uh, really really curbed their aggression and I do and I do think it's because they' they feel better. They just literally they, they just feel better about uh, accomplishing things.
0: Wow. When do you put a uh, command lead on a puppy? How old? You know, six, seven weeks. As as,
1: as soon as their their mind is open and they're wanting to move. Um, so a new puppy getting into the kennel, you know, those first couple of days they have to get, they got to adapt. They have to adjust their new environment. But real, real quick from that point going forward, there's going to be some kind of an apparatus on their neck to get them to move around <clears throat> and learn to start to, uh, Deal with being restricted, um, start to move with us with just a little bit of touch. But it's, it's extremely laid back. It's uh, yeah. it's the the whole program today for me is is to never put them in a position where they're resentful, um, to never force anything. I think we've uh, I think we're really starting to scratch some surface on what can be taught without force, um, and it really is keep their mind open. Um, don't let the resentment get in there and uh, they're happy to learn they love to learn
0: when the so, dog yeah, those... when a dog i mean the foundation level training i think lasts their entire lifetime right absolutely so you can always go back to it but at what point do you move up to the in- intermediate level of training and what do you consider to be intermediate level tasks that you're working on with the dog
1: so for me, it would be go back to the, the end in mine. I'm, I'm wanting uh, more of a performance dog. So for me, it's going to be about when they're efficient uh, with wild birds. 99.9% of my time is going to be spent on, on a wild bird application. So when they're efficient at finding wild birds, they have the independence and they have the, uh, the ability to know how to course, you know, how to run the country and course it through to go to where the birds are. That's when we will start to get into uh, more of an intermediate level um, style of training or a mindset of training, which then is really nothing more than uh, for a pointing dog application. You know, you're you, you need to back. So if and when you do see a dog standing there, you, you need to stop um, and you have to handle you, you have to go with me. Um, From there, we're looking for efficiency with them being able to not just run into where the birds might be, but actually want to hunt the bird. When you've got a dog that actually wants to hunt them, you know, that's, that's an X factor. That's not all dogs have. Uh, They know where to go. They know how to do it. Um, But you're, now you're through that intermediate and you're starting to put the polish on them, which is, you know, more of a advanced level.
0: Everybody wants to introduce birds right away. Introduce birds. I need to get birds. I need to go to a game farm. I want to get my puppy on birds. But I've heard from you, George Lyle, other dog trainers. They all say, it's not about the birds. Your dog knows what a bird smells like. You don't need to force that. Just take your time. Develop that foundation first. But at what point do you say, all right, we are going to go to that game farmer. We are going to introduce birds into this training uh, regimen that we're working on.
1: So we're in, we're in, I'm introducing birds right away. You know, they might be, they might be six weeks old. They're, they've been exposed to, to birds. Um, but to really answer that question, the human, the, 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 the dog owner, they, they want to go to the birds because they want to go to the birds. It's fun for the human. That mm-hmm. It's a blast. I mean, who doesn't have fun with the birds and the dogs, so I think the big thing is to identify. We're doing it way more for us than what we're doing for them. They have the genetics. Um, as long as we've done our homework, you know, they're they're going to have it. Their their instincts kick in. That prey drive kicks in to catch it, kill it, and eat it. But uh, I'm, we're doing bird work right away. It's just never it's never at the top of my uh, it's never at the top of my priority list. Yes, they have to have it at an at an early age, and yes. They do have to have their natural instincts kicked in, but that happens almost instantly.
0: Hmm. Um, how are you doing that? With a, with a puppy, how are you introducing it for the very first time? At the, at the kennel, we're
1: doing a lot of work with pigeons. Okay. So it's, it, could be, it could be a hobbled pigeon or just literally a dead pigeon, a froze pigeon, and it's nothing more than, than, here it is, check it out. And most of the puppies will recoil away from it just a little bit. And it's within minutes, you know, they're wanting to attack the bird. I mean, if you don't overreact by their reaction, they're going to engage. So it's, it's never really about their, their first impression or their first reaction. It's going to be how they recover. So if the bird did cause some fear, um, are they coming back for more? Are they coming back to check it out? And if the genetics are there, pretty much 100% of the dogs are coming back to check it out. And then, of course, then it's game on. So from there, (laughs) we go to a, to a hobbled bird and from a hobbled bird to a, to a flushed bird. So it's, it's more of a visual. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, we don't spend a lot of time, you know, I'll, I'll be honest and say I don't spend any time with a wing on a string, um, goes back to, I really do think that's for the people It's fun to do. I don't see a, me personally, I don't see, I don't have a ton of use for it. Um, so we'll go to, you know, from that bird on a tether to maybe then just flushing some birds. So their eyes are, their, their eyes are turned on. They like the bird, they see the bird. And then from there, we start to turn on their nose, which is nothing more than, you know, here's a grass strip. We're going to keep it real simple so that they have success. Um, and now their nose is turned on because they just, you know, they just smelt it. It, it, it hit them. Um, of course, then they stop. And of course, from there they go to catch it. And they want to kill it, and they want to eat it. Um, so then that bird field is nothing more than the course. <clears throat> so back to us spending time with them, every time we're with them, we have something to teach them. So it might be crossing a teeter-totter. And this has been something that's really helped, um, you know, the 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 weekend warrior bird dog, the guy that doesn't have a full-blown training facility. So now that puppy coming off the course <clears throat> You might go to the bird field. The bird field is nothing more than the course. It's another thing I have to show you. So that's where you kind of get this little mind on steroids. So every time we're together, <clears throat> they're learning something. So it might be, you know, crossing a, a teeter-totter, going over a two-by-six, um, jumping on and off a table. The stuff could be stressful. It could be hard. And then, of course, their confidence is building all the time. So then this bird field turns into part of the course. And then the bird field just continues to get harder and harder and harder. But of course they have the comp, they have the the confidence um, to succeed. So they really do feel that they're ten foot tall and bulletproof and they can't be beat. So they're. This is where you start to get their work ethic. Um, this is where you really start to develop their their ability. This is where you really start to tap into what that performance dog could be. Um, you know, in end game, you're that that starting with the end in mind. What are you after when it's done? And what I'm after when it's done is I want a dog that's that'll run hard enough, break his own legs. I mean, that's just the reality of it. I want them to be putting forth every ounce of energy that they have. And when we're done, I want to be able to flip that switch. And they're just like you had said, that dog that's, you know, laying next to you right now. So that's it. That's your end game. Um,
0: Right. Yeah. It's it's a very focused, it's, it's so cool to see when it, happens that way when it all finally comes around but i will be honest there were several moments in our journey mine with daisy that i questioned myself if if i if george and i were if george was sitting here he'd he'd laugh because of the conversations i had i'm like i don't know if i can do another year of her running off chasing the birds flushing them all this stuff all the mistakes that i made in the training process but also the time that it took for things to finally click for her um you know I think it's probably common for some people, and actually I know it is because I've had a lot of handlers reach out to me and say, I did the exact same thing. I went through the same thing. Help. What, what should I do here? I've heard your stories. I'm, I'm living it right now. And I tell them, stick with it. Stick with it. It will, it will turn. But is there any other advice beyond stick with it that you can give somebody that's experiencing challenges with their dog that just won't listen, that keeps running off, that is still running ahead of their nose, not paying attention to what the what the goal is of working together.
1: Sure, and you know you've been a big part of our conversations to build and to get where we're at today uh, with George. Um, we've And we've both laughed at you with your struggles um, and you've, uh-huh. you've been a part along with everybody else, right? Because everybody's mm-hmm. got the same issues. And that's where we're at today with building <clears> – <throat> with the program that we're building. It's to, it's to meet the human, meet the person, meet you where you're at and really stress that this isn't – it's not as hard as what you're seeing um, to really help you understand – the mental side of that dog and be working with that dog at a, at a young age. And if you are going to spend time with them, teach them something. So I do believe um, there will be a little agility type course um, in everybody's backyard because that can teach, that can help keep that dog mentally right and stimulated and feeling good with just a few minutes of work each day. Um, And then you know, that dog you're talking about that just keeps running off and keeps running off and keeps running off. Well, identify, break it down and identify what he's not doing. Well, really, what he's not doing is he's not going with you. So, to that individual that is running off and is just outrunning his nose and just, you know, he's a constant battle. That individual, if you just get him to handle, which is nothing more than you have to turn with me. So, if I go right, you need to bend and go right. If I turn and mm-hmm. go left, you need to bend and go left. And that has nothing to do with the bird. That's just about go with me. So, you know, back to everybody wanting to get the birds out front and the birds out front and let's go do bird work and bird work and bird work. Um, You have to have some kind of a basis that foundation scratched in to where they will just go with and then just be still. And then for me, the recall, which could I'm sure there'll be tons of you know controversy on this is backwards, but the recall is the last thing I teach. I'm never, ever concerned about a dog coming back to me um, because if they handle, if they go with and if they will be still, they're automatically going to come back to you. So the recall is the last thing I teach. It takes literally it probably takes five minutes. Um, but of course, I'm in a situation and I've got the ground to do that. It's not practical for everybody. Sure. But if the, if the recall is taught too soon, that is one of our biggest <clears throat> my, my challenges for the, for the dog owner, they typically will teach their recall first. So then we, when we get them to make the performance dog, um, we start to want to manipulate and work them a bit. And their default is to always recall, which is to run back. And that that's, that's very, very hard for us to try to reverse. Hmm.
0: So in the order then of what you're teaching would be to stand still first.
1: Yes. And then go, go, then go Yep.
0: Okay. And then, you know, that's where the check cord comes into play. You know, you you start on the command lead, um, stand still. I'm standing still. Okay. I'm moving. You're coming with me. Okay. And then we're now on a check cord and I'm turning to the right. That means tap tap you're turning to the right your dog goes out to the right i'm going to turn to the left tap tap you're turning to the left and then after that point the recall comes in right yes yes and how do you get that dog to come back what's your what's your movement what's your motion what's you're not talking cuz this is a silent command right what are you doing so
1: then it goes back to reading and and reading the body language um, that dog is reading us all the time. So that movement of going left and going right with that tap, tap with that rope, with the check cord, that's yeah. that's your body going left and going right. So they're following you more than they're following the lead or the tap. The tap is interrupting their thought to, hey, see what I'm doing, therefore follow. So with the agility, um, I am finding that my check cording is, it's down to a, a minimum, if not none at all. Um, with going through the course just off a, just off a lead, <clears throat> um, everything is, is, is happening, uh, I don't want to say much sooner, but much, much, much crisper and much cleaner. Huh. So if we can get them still and we can get them to go with, just the gesture of you not moving in that yard or in that field, as soon as they identify you, they're coming in because it's the natural behavior. If the pack is not moving, um, they come together. So if they're good pack members and they look to you for instruction because you have a healthy relationship built on some, on some respect for one another, um, they're coming to you. There's, there is no such thing as a dog that won't, if that relationship is there. And that relationship is really nothing more than, hey, look for some instruction.
0: What are okay so we go back to this uh, this course that you've got I'm fascinated by this I want to see it but what are you know the teeter totter is one item what are a couple of other simple items that people can use to build in their own backyard to accomplish what you're explaining to us
1: Yeah so we've been we've been hearing that same question for the last few years now with everybody wanting to know you know everybody wanting to take pictures I mean just go online and you will see tons of PVC, um, agility type equipment all over the place. Um, that's, that was some of the first stuff we built. The stuff I have in my yard is still built out of PVC pipe. <clears throat> so everybody wanted to know, you know, which piece is the most important piece? You know, how much of this stuff do I need to build at home? You know, can I get pictures? Is there a source I can go to? And, uh, my, my answer always was sure, you know, take all the pictures you want, but you really don't need necessarily the stuff that I have out here that I'm using you already have the stuff in your backyard. It could be, it could be a rock, you know, it could be a big rock that they can jump on. It could be that your decks, your, the steps going up your deck, you know, there might be 10 steps. Um, Getting that dog on a lead and going up, you know, two or three steps and stopping, that is coursework. Um, Your tailgate is now coursework. Um, to be able to stop that dog short of your tailgate and then reference that spot to have him jump rather than just allowing him to jump because you'll tell me, well, he knows how to jump in the back of the truck. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I understand that. Um, You can do it better and crisper and cleaner by literally taking a piece of rope or if he's past that, because when we're done, all the dogs go through the course off lead. Um, So now you're walking to your truck, you stop short of your tailgate if you've if it's real crisp and it's real clean, um, that dog will stop with you. And then as you move forward back to this body language, he's going to jump in because it's in what's in front of you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, you can create uh, playground equipment, um, is something that there's a lot of people using. They're just, they're literally going to the playground and they're, they're working the dog on the, the playground equipment because they don't have the equipment in their backyard. Um, so What it really turns into is everything in life is part of the course. That's just where my mind is at with it today. Um, Everything in life is going to be part of the course. So, you know, we get to the gate that goes out into my training field. We will just stop short. Um, They get off the hunt truck in South Texas. I stop, they stop. So getting off the truck and standing next to me is now the course. It's to focus on the task that's in front of you, the job, um, which gets them to be crisper and cleaner and now we really start to see the animal be at his full potential and uh, that's been magical for me
0: it um, does sound so like it. I, I've, uh, I i've i i've i'm using the same techniques that you're working off of so when i take her you know on a hunt and it starts in the kennel you know it's not i don't let her out she doesn't just go running around and circles and pee and sniff crotches from other dogs it's 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 uh with purpose because i know that we're going to work I walk her to the edge of the grass that we're going to hunt. And it's like, okay, here's, I stop her. I take the command lead off. I stand next to her, softly touch her, both sides and calm her. And she's focused. And then I take a step and release her into that new area because this is where we're going to work. And I've seen when we get to the edge, she'll stop there, whether it's in the woods and there's a trail In the woods, it's almost like she knows, like, this is our area. This is our course. Like you just said, I've come to the end of it. I need to know where we go next, dad. Like she'll stand there and it'll be, well, I got a dog on point. No, she's just waiting for my cue as to what to do next. So you're, this is all coming into my mind as you're talking about this course, Sonny. You know, but going back to like the tailgate, a dog stands there. What's the cue that you're giving them? to initiate, Hey, go here. I want you up. Sure. It's what's in front of us. It's what's in front of
1: us. And if, if like,
0: I, I have a command lead, so I go tap, tap and I move forward, but is that the right way to do it? Is that what you're doing? Or is there something else? Yes.
1: Yes. Um, and then, so uh, myself and George just had this conversation here a few weeks ago and I won't get into it because it'll be picking at him. But, uh, Um, once that, once that point of contact is established, there's really no reason to keep referencing it. So now the dog is literally just keying off your body language. So... Literally that course, when we, when we get the dogs going through the course off lead, that's because they've been referenced enough to where now they willingly accept their situation to follow. And the course is nothing more than to challenge them mentally, challenge your point of contact. I don't care that a dog will cross a teeter totter. I don't care that a dog will go across an A-frame. It's got nothing to do with that. It's just that that stuff is challenging. It's hard. It's, you know, it's, it's a challenge for the animal. So it challenges our relationship. Um, I'm here, okay. Will you trust me? Do you believe in me? Um, and then, of course, with some reps uh, and some understanding, their their attitude is absolutely. I will, you know, I'll jump off a cliff for you. Um, and we did have some of that happen early on. We did have dogs that had so much commitment and they were trying so hard because of their energy and their focus that they were, you know, jumping over top of the back of the truck. Um, you know, rather than hitting the tailgate, they were on top of my Ranger box. You know, that there is this much. <laughs> <laughs> this much, this much commitment to a, to achieve the task. So we knew, oh boy, we need you know we need to back off of this a bit. But uh, yeah. you know, a lot of what you're talking about um, with getting to the edge of that field and and being able to do that stuff. One, it, you really do have a good turn on and turn off switch. Like it's the ability to turn her on and then the ability to turn her off. Um, but that's so much about the human. What what's happening there? I believe. And I think, you know, I believe it more and more each year, each month, each day is a lot of what we're doing with the coursework tends to really focus us Um, because it is hard convincing a dog to go across a teeter-totter. There is a lot of mental energy that we pour into it. And then they start to see us with this whole different – in this whole different light that we actually do know what we're doing and we are serious and this stuff is real and it is a major accomplishment. So – I think it's making for better dog handlers rather than just having something to do when you go to the field. This really, this, this could be stuff that you could be doing in your own backyard to really mm. keep them sharp. Um, <clears throat> and they're, it, it keeps their mind in the spot to learn. Um, and really, I think what that spot is, it's, it's submission, but not submission to where they're dominated. Um, I believe that they really only have two states of mind. It's going to be dominance or submission. Um, but those words are not well received anymore today. Um, Mm -hmm. But all they are is is dominance is the leader and submission is the follower. So if their mind is hung up in a dominant spot, which is that dog that is running off, they're impossible to teach because they are the teacher. The submission, the the submissive one is not dominated. It's just open for instruction. So the more Mm -hmm. time that you spend with that animal on the course, well, it just puts their mind in a spot where, yeah, I'm the follower and life is great. So it, it makes for just this. This this phenomenal turn on turn off switch to where it really gives the dog peace and uh, mm-hmm. one of the the peace is really one of the big things that I'm I'm working with today because so many of the owners and then of course their dogs don't have that peace they don't have that just that that real laid back real calm real collected just that real that real sense of peace about them so
0: and do you think cor- that comes because that dog doesn't know its role. It, it doesn't, it's somewhere caught between following and leading and, and doesn't have a true sense of where it's supposed to be at.
1: Yes. I think that that's 100% the case is they end up with a false sense of responsibility from a puppy on up uh, because everybody loves puppies, right? I mean, we all love puppies and that, that mother had a ton of structure, a ton of rules for that puppy. Her job was never to play with that puppy. Her job was to make sure that that puppy makes it to an adult. And as an asset to society, to society, it's a good citizen. So we basically take everything that that mom had going. We chuck it out the door by us indulging our puppies because we love puppies. Mm -hmm. And then that puppy just ends up with this mixed up, this mixed up view of what the world is. And then from there, they tend to dominate. You know, here's that word that nobody likes anymore, but they end up being the leader And then their, their little mind is not mature enough to know what to do with that, with that kind of responsibility. And then of course we end up with all this, you know, this whole list of things that the the dogs are doing today. You know, they're, Uh. they're on Prozac, they're on antidepressants, they are running off, they're, you know, they're, they're fighting, whatever it might be.
0: Sure. Well, it just, I, I hope that people are, you know, thinking through, um, you know, with their own dog and things. That maybe they could work on here, um, but separation anxiety—I hear it all the time. I know people that I've gone hunting with. They're like, "Oh, I have to have my dog in the kennel in the room with me." Has separation anxiety. Um, you know what advice can you give somebody that has a dog going through that? Is can you break that dog of that at all, or is it a lifetime thing now?
1: No, we. Um, I personally feel that that I or we as trainers can fix that in, in th- 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 just the least amount of time, minimal. I mean, within just a few hours of work, really? <laughs> the problem. Yes. But the reason being is because that animal has no history with me. So I can overcome that anxiety pretty quick. The problem is when we send them back home with their owners, they have, there's a lot of history their whole life. They've been acting that way. So you have to break that pattern. Um, so you have to start over. And of course it's that it's, it's, that much more work um but we i can we can do that pretty easy simply because we don't cater to them having that anxiety now there's different levels of this but just a normal dog that's that's you know that's got some separation anxiety because his owner's not there yeah once they're with us at the kennel that stuff is overcome you it's overcome very very quick because we're stimulating them mentally with some of the coursework so a lot of that energy that they do put into their own anxiety, we work out on the course. So when they're done with the course, mentally they're spent, <clears throat> and it's a good thing. It's a very positive yeah. thing. They've been yeah. stimulated, so they don't, they don't, they don't have that anxiety because they've actually done something. And then I of course,
0: some of some of the days when my dog is the most exhausted and sleeps the hardest, curls up, is not the physical exercise. But it's the mental exercise. I'm amazed at how much that dog is is like thinking and how exhausting it is for a dog to think. So when you're training with a dog, it might not be a big mile, two, five, ten mile run that wipes that dog out. It's just just standing there and following these simple commands and doing these simple tasks where all of a sudden they're just like, oh, holy cow, I'm spent. But I think it, it's important for people, and you might agree with this or disagree, but after you go through a routine or, a, or whatever situation you've staged in the training process, bring your dog back to that safe place where they can think and process. Is that part of your process or your training method too?
1: Yes. And I, I think some of the stuff that we're starting to scratch the surface on literally is that, that, uh, the thinking is probably, I don't know, 10 times more important than what we've ever given a credit to in the past. I think that that's so much more important than say a five mile run or a bunch of roading, um, or a bunch of bird work, just a, just a few minutes of, of getting that mental energy focused and channeled and then apply it to whatever the task is, I think is, 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 is unbelievable. What it's doing for them mentally. And then yes, to be able to put them away um, to just get away from them for a few minutes after you've done what you've done, gives them a time, you know, that it gives them some opportunity to think and to process what happened, um, which can be magical because they're going to repeat the last thing they did. So if the last thing you did was successful, they're going to come back out with the mindset to go and repeat that. Mm-hmm. Um, no different than running off. If they if they run off once and you finally get them gathered up and caught, well, when you put them back on the ground, that's, that's what's on their mind. Um, so then you have to get out in front of their thinking. You know, anticipate, start with the end in mind, what's going to happen here, and then see, yes, he ran off on me before, he's going to run off on me again. And then just just get out in front of that, you know, handle him before he does it. Mm -hmm. Um, Back to that that mindset, that dominance or submission, Um, the dominant one or the one that's running off, he is the leader. You don't need to dominate him, but he does need to, you know, to look to you for some instruction. If he does that, he won't run off. He's going to pay attention to where you're at. Mm Mm-hmm. The- well
0: and that's that's going back to ending on a good note when you're training I've been taught that if 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 my dog is is had a great run here we're going to end right there just going to we're going to pick the dog up put her in the box and let her think about it because she did everything perfect and you're you're letting your dog go out on a high and that way the next time the dog comes out You continue where you picked up there. Um, Sometimes I think I make a mistake like, all right, we're doing so great. More of this, more of this. But in the end, that actually could be, uh, hurting our growth because I want to continue to force more, but we had it, we were there and now it's too much. So simple, 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 keeps coming back to my mind all the time. Do a simple task. The dog does it awesome. You got your results put the dog back on the chain, let him think there, put the dog back in the kennel, let him think there for a little bit and then repeat it afterwards, two, you know, three times. Yeah. You
1: could work like that all day long. So it's, you know, everybody asks, how long should I work the dog uh, per session or how many times should I work the dog a day? It doesn't have anything to do with the dog. It's all about the human. So if you can stay mentally hooked up, you can you can do that stuff all day long. The problem is we run out of mental energy or we're not disciplined enough to stay in, you know, you know, into a few steps. But the dogs love it. They'll they'll thrive on it as long as we stay crisp and clean. Typically, when we push too hard, um, we push to failure. Uh, it wasn't them. It was us. We let down our guard. You know, we thought, well, they would probably we just assumed they would do it right and they didn't that typically is a human issue, not a dog issue. We ended up pushing to failure. Um, but, and we do, you know, we keep going because things are going so well. Um, they crash, we crash mentally and then everybody is kind of put away with this, this not so positive, you know, of a result. Um, so
0: when
1: we crash with stuff or if I crash, cause I do, um, I love to push. Um, when I do crash, I, I try not to let, there's nothing attached to it. I don't have any, there's no emotion. Um, it's just a matter of, we made a mistake. It went wrong. Um, let's just reboot and, uh, and do it again. Walk and away. from there,
0: yeah, yep. from Walk there we, and, we and come pick back. them up. Yep. You know, when we have these conversations like we're having right now, I'm amazed at how little of it revolves around a bird. <laughs> I really am. And yeah. that's why it always goes back to when everybody wants to get the bird. I'm like, Oh, I've learned my lesson. It's not always about the bird all of that will come when you're in the field. But if your dog is out of control, the birds, the bird part of it is not going to be an enjoying, enjoyable experience. You're not going to learn a lot. Um, you know, we didn't really get into the advanced level training today, Sonny, but when does people, um, you know, to just touch on it briefly here when they're, when they've reached, how do they know when they're at an advanced level training and what, what, tasks are you running a dog through to try to sharpen its skills
1: um when for me it's all about efficiency when, when they're efficient uh <clears throat> just like you were talking about when you bring the dog up to the edge of that field or the edge of that that trail or whatever it is and you send them off they're efficient at whatever the game is that you've set out in front of them so if it's upland application with an english pointer and you know it's it's grouse or it's woodcock or it's south texas quail it's they know where to go to find the bird. So they're <clears throat> they're efficient with going to the birds. They're not just running around, stumbling into birds. They're actually hunting the bird. Um, so for me, it's all about the efficiency. Um, you know, probably hunting dead. They, they know enough to dig in and try to find a wounded bird. So mm-hmm. from there, we're absolutely ready to put the polish or put the advanced level stuff on a retrieving uh, program. But it's all about the efficiency. I don't want... I personally don't want that mechanical um, sit, stay, come, heel dog um, because for me, it takes away from their efficiency, which is to find me birds and I have to find birds for a living. I mean, that's, that's part of what we do. Yeah. We have to be able to perform. So if they're too mechanical, that doesn't work as good. So it's, it, for me, it's all about efficiency. So back to, you know, starting with that end in mind, if you're, whether you be a game farm guy or you're a grouse hunter or a woodcock hunter or you know, you're hunting prairie birds. Um, it's all about what your end game is, what's your vision. Um, and you know, that's when your advanced level polish comes on
0: and that's really nothing more than,
1: yeah. And that's nothing more than your, than your foundation, which is basically (laughs) you got to be still and you got to go with me. And now you're just, you know, now you're just pushing the envelope a little harder.
0: So I think, you know, we talk about a lot of this stuff, uh, seeing it is taking it to a whole nother level. I know you've been doing seminars for many, many years. Are you still doing seminars? What's your plan moving forward?
1: Yeah, so we are. We're in the process of uh, of launching this program here shortly. Um, We've been working on it for quite some time. Um, We're gonna. We're. I think the first seminar is May twentieth. I hope I've got that date that date right. And then we've got a couple other dates planned uh, for the summer. Um, Jordan has been, um, he's been doing seminars, uh, pretty much every weekend. He's got a seminar, uh, going
0: and he's out on the East coast. Yes. Yes. He's in Connecticut.
1: So, um, yeah, um, we've got, there's a bunch of ideas, a bunch of, we've got some pretty big dreams and some pretty big plans of where we'd like to see it. And
0: yeah, you know, we'll,
1: we'll keep it moving forward.
0: Well, I get to see the, the, whole program on the May 20th one. Cause I'm coming out for that and I'm so excited about that, but I know, I know that you have big plans. I know that you're taking, um, you know, this, this training program of yours, uh, will it be something that you, you think you're going to travel around the country or do people have to come to you with this to see it?
1: Um, I probably all the above. Okay. You know, um, and it's time will tell uh, based on how a couple of these a couple of these events go. They, the the one on one training has really mm-hmm. seemed to be um, some stuff that's changing with 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 society. I mean the the, the human they love the one on one training, not as much you know as as booking a dog into a kennel and they do a 30 day program or a 60 day program or you know even a 90 day program. To me, that stuff seems to be. It's, it's it's changing. Um, they love the one-on-one stuff. They want to be interactive with what's going on. They want to be able to learn it and then apply it with some instruction from us. So, you know, it it wouldn't surprise me that, at, you know, maybe in, I don't know, 10 years from now, there's maybe our facility doesn't even really house a dog anymore besides maybe a, uh, a boarding program that hmm. now our boarding dogs are coming in to be, as long as they're going to be boarded, we're going to train them at the same time. But I think that where this is all headed are the, the the people want to do the work themselves and they don't necessarily like to see their dog at a, at a facility. They're, it's their dog. They want it home with them and they would like to do the work. Mm -hmm. So I I think we'll see as time goes on here, but I think that uh, things are changing a little bit as far as where everything is going.
0: Well, I'm, I'm excited to see what you're doing in person. I think there's, It it can't even the value of seeing it in person can't even really be described. So I encourage people whether it's to come out uh, to one of your um, hands on courses that you offer. Uh, I think you'll probably make an announcement on your site or at least list the ones that are available. But I really have learned so much myself by seeing things from trainers just like you, Sonny, and explaining it and then doing it with my dog, like. I'm not dropping my dog off and then picking it back up and expecting it to be this amazing, you know, well-oiled machine. I I have to understand the dog, and there's so much value to understanding your dog that will create what I've learned to be uh, just such a pleasant uh, relationship and experience. And when I go places, I mean, Daisy's walking right right next to me. When I open a door, she stands there, and I let her out, and I just I touch her on the head and I say, "Okay." And I am amazed at the amount of people that see that, and they're like, "Can you teach my dog to do how, that?" And I'm like, yeah, "You can you do teach. That? You yeah. can <laughs> teach your dog to do it." You know, like there's all of these respectful boundaries that she abides by, and then I see other dogs that are, you know, they run into the room, they off, they jump off three couches, every chair, they jump off your shoulders, hit the 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 light above the table and bounce off, and you're like, "Whoa, what just happened?" <laughs> you know? yes. Like, I can't yeah. stop my dog. I'm like, "Yes, you can. You're just letting it happen." You know, I mean, you you have to understand your dog. And so, what I'm getting back to is, there's so much that you can do, and I think what you're teaching people, Sonny, is you're empowering them to to learn it, to do it, to live it, and their dogs respond amazingly to it. So it's pretty cool stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. We're not the. Uh, you know what? At the end of the day, we're not trying to recreate the wheel by no means. There's, there's, there's so many phenomenal programs. But, uh, you know, I'll be the first to admit I've come up short on some of them. And what uh, where we're coming up short is we don't, we don't understand how the animal thinks. Once we understand how the animal thinks, any program or all the programs, you're going to get more out of them. That's, that's really what we're seeing for a byproduct with, with a lot of the coursework and, and trying to teach it, in a, you know, in a manner of understanding the dog better. Mm -hmm. All the programs are working with uh, much more success. So, yeah. Got it.
0: All right. Well, if people want to know more right now and talk to you, they can find you at haycreekkennel.com and uh, talk to you or your wife, Shannon. Um, Both of you have an incredible amount of knowledge and wisdom to be able to share and help others out there that are going through the puppy stages, the intermediate stage, all the stages to end up with a dog that they can be proud of and enjoy hunting behind. Um, I think, I think when I come out to your place, if everything goes well and you're up to it, maybe because I know George is coming, I know Jordan is going to be there too. It's going to be a great day, but I think I'm going to try to bring the podcast equipment out to, to really take this understanding to another level for our listeners. Is that all right with you? That would be awesome. Cool. Yep. Awesome. Looking, Sunny, looking forward I, to it. I appreciate your time right now. Get back to your family and enjoy a, a few days in the warm sun. Okay. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, that's Thank you, Sunny P cars at Hay Creek kennel a wealth of knowledge. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. My brain is stimulated. I wish my dog was listening because I think hers would be stimulated just the same. There's so much out there to learn and it's fun to learn alongside your dog. So uh, if you enjoyed this podcast and you want more of these kinds of conversations, send me a message at theflush.tv on our website. There's a form to contact us and it'll come to me one way or another. You can find me on Instagram, our Instagram page for The Flush, or my own personal page as well. I, I'm, I'm curious if this is the kind of conversation that really gets you thinking and wanting more details. I'm trying always to bring out the details because I know that these, uh, these dog trainers like Sonny just have so much knowledge and to help you specifically where you're at. So hopefully that that helped today and we'll continue to do more like it. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Flush Podcast.